and then you consciously are like, what is this? Right? How ungrateful are we? Right? So when we have the, that stress response, when we have anxiety, understand that it is a part of you that's trying to help you. And it just, it's doing the best. It's actually doing its job. It's just our job as the conscious thinking part of ourselves to speak back calm if we need to calm down. And we can do that through breath. And it can be as simple as lengthening our exhales, taking actual deep breaths, deep, full breaths, belly, ribs, chest, relaxing out, slow the exhale. There's so many different techniques. Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Live Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Smith. And if you have not done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another podcast. And if you love this podcast and you want some more tips and tricks on how to improve yourself, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. There are a ton of instructional videos there. You can find the links down below. However, my friend, before you do such a thing, I would like you to stick around for this linguistic master of breath, the breath linguist himself, <laughs> Jesse Kumar. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, I can hear the audience going wild. <laughs> Eventually, I'll have a soundboard yes. with the applause. We need that's that's the next step for the yeah. <laughs> is having that. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much, Kyle. Dude, I I appreciate you being on. Um, I was just telling you before about uh, y- your intense breath sesh that I had this morning, to yeah. in part to prepare for meeting. I wanted to make sure that I I pulled a little bit of yourself into the mm. present so that I could just be at the same frequency, same vibe as yourself. And uh, man, very, very useful tools and tactics that you got in your breathing. And the question that I like to start with, which that'll kind of leave it off hanging, but I don't want, I want you to speak what you do. But um, cool. the question I like to start with is how is it that you impact the lives of people around you? Well, you know, there's, there is the hope, right? There is the hope that I impact people well. (laughs) We are creatures that are social. So social creatures look to others uh, to know how to, to behave, how to respond, how to act, because it's much easier to do that than it is to think critically for yourself. And I am just like everybody else. I am prone to looking at other people to know how to act and how to behave. But I do hope that the time that I invest in my own critical thought and self-examination, hopefully, is impacting people well so that, uh, as I say on my YouTube channel, that people can uh, choose kindness over uh, any other kind of uh, of action so that we can take better actions for the world around us. So that is my hope. Mm. Now, how it actually turns out, you know, we have Yessie, but that is that is my fervent hope. That's cool, man. That's cool. I like that. I like that. So something that you talk about that really stuck out and it was, and it was very much though, the very first thing that I wanted to talk about, cause I thought it was so cool, but um, it's the concept of the breath of language. So I know I had like a little bit of it in the introduction, but I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. you talking about the language of breath, and it's so cool because when I was just chatting or not chatting, when I was listening to you, 
<laughs> or maybe maybe metaphysically I was chatting. When you're breathing to me? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, it was when I had that thought of the breath being the communication between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind or the unconscious mind, I was like, mm. oh, perfect. Like you provided like such, like with that sentence alone, I'm like, I know that I can articulate it in a way where it's like, oh, it's trying to get the communication between the top to bottom. And yeah language of breath my man like where where was that inspiration where was that insight and tell please share your insights on that it's freaking yeah crazy. well thank you I, I i'm so so glad that that you found those those sessions useful um and when i write a book this is my second book so my my first book was called a practical guide to breath work and i i am a firm believer that it, it, you know you need to wait until you really have something to say and that's when you know you have a project, you've got a song, you've got a movie, you've got a, a podcast, right? You've got, you have something to offer the world that, that it needs. And back in, when I first started with Breathwork, I needed that book, but it didn't exist. You know, so that I, whenever I decided I'm going to write that book, A Practical Guide to Breathwork, I was trying to find a way uh, to explain a lot of there's a lot of different voices in this this space and a lot of claims and a lot of of confusion at least that i had especially early on and so uh, you know that's why i wrote my first book a practical guide to breath work now uh you know me writing books and me thinking about things in linguistic terms it may just be my nature i i am a recovering english professor so, so I did 11 years, did 11 years in, uh, in academia. Um, and it's funny, you know, you, you, you make it up the echelons of, of academia. You get to be, you know, you start as the assistant professor and then you get a promotion, you know, usually after maybe five years or six years to a associate, and then you get the full professor. And, uh, then that's usually whenever you just stay there forever, but that's actually when I quit. So I, so, um, but, but I quit because after my first book, uh, people were, were saying, you know, the way you explain this makes a lot of sense. And it is the book that I wish I would have had earlier on, or I'm so glad this book's book, book exists, but that's, but with me, I'm, I'm endlessly curious and, and just, and when I'm fascinated in something, I'm like, why is this so powerful? You know, I get up every day and I'm still surprised that it is a thing. But, um, but when it came to the language of breath, I was, I was continuing and I, and I have this in my first book. So the first book, it's not like the second book makes the first book obsolete. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so definitely I just want to make that clear. But one of the things I was starting to understand a little bit better is the, 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 uh, the, the role of internal awareness in breath work. And so internal awareness is something that, uh, so often we talk about we say you know you, you got to become aware of your feelings you want to you know uh, be more connected and we talk about it a lot but what does it mean what what can we do with it and so after and i was been very fortunate to be befriend uh, a, a very uh, prominent neuroscientist in the united states uh, his name is dr autumn music and to study with um, uh, Dr. Cynthia Price, who's a research psychologist in the field of uh, my, basically body-oriented therapy. And they've done an enormous amount of research. And that's really helped inform my 
my understanding of of how breathwork works based off of a new understanding of how the human organism works. And so when it comes to the language of breath, and my book explains this in depth, but I want to share it with you and my and your audience, is the first part of, you know, I do this basically in three sections. The first part of, of the book is, is explaining why the way we look at ourselves needs to change. We as a species, needs to, we need to rethink what we are as opposed to just how to get this paradigm that we've already really bought into. Why is it that, man, we just got to keep thinking within that paradigm. We have to rethink what a human being is. The second thing is once you understand what you are, then how do we interface with this new paradigm? How, how, how does that work? And it turns out, and I'm going to explain the first part a little bit more here in a second, but I want to give you the three pieces first. It turns out that when you understand yourself better, the way you even approach breath work changes, the way you approach uh, fitness changes, the way you approach basically how you interface with this thing that is you will change. And then once you understand how those interface, then you can start to use what you learn. You can start to use what is the language, in this case, the language of breath. That's how we speak to this other part of ourself. And then we start, we have to use that internal awareness to become aware of what that other part of ourself is, is saying. So I, I not to, to go on and on, but to kind of fill in the blank on that new paradigm. What is that new paradigm? Maybe people might be asking. I am. So- yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, hey, so you might, you might be asking yourself, what is that new paradigm? So here's the, the, the old mm. paradigm is, is very clear and, and it's very difficult when we have a paradigm, it's very difficult to see outside of it. And actually this is because of actually what we are and I'll, I'll explain, but you, we have defenses built in unconscious defenses that, that resist a new paradigm. So it's very difficult at first to take on a new paradigm. So if anybody in the audience, if, if, if anybody's listening to this and this sounds difficult to understand, just know that it's not just my idea. It's not just Jesse Coomer just one day was like, you know what, let's, let's change the paradigm, man. Let's, you know, uh, this is based off of decades of research on what we are as a species. And all I've done is explain it in a way that's a little bit more, I think, easy to understand. Um, I think it was Einstein who said that we everything should be made as simple as possible, no simpler, right? So I've simplified it. I've made it to where it's not any simpler. That, I've not oversimplified it. The, the paradigm that we live in right now is that we have a mind and we have a body, right? And it's basically that this mind is, is in charge of controlling the body and that we walk around and uh, that's, you know, the body is there. Uh, just as kind of a vehicle to get the mind from one place to the other. And there's really a fundamental difference between the mind and the body. And it's almost as if there's like some kind of a border between, you know, like on your neck, right? So you've got the stuff south of the border is the body and the north of the border, you got your mind. And, you know, they're, they're two totally different things. Uh, actually, I don't know if you're old. You remember Ninja Turtles, right? Oh, yeah. You remember, uh, so Shredder was one of the bad guys, and then they had the brain guy. He was like Krang or something Krong. like that. Do you remember? Or, yeah, yeah, Krang. yeah. It was either yeah. Krang or Krong. One of yeah, guys. so one of those guys, right? So he was a disembodied brain, and he had the mechanical legs, and he would kind of do the joysticks around. That is kind of how we view ourselves. We view ourselves kind of like that. 
And it's in the book. I just, I, I actually did some research to kind of figure out where this, these ideas started. You can go all the way back to the, the early days of Aristotle. Um, you can, you can trace it back to antiquity. Uh, Rene Descartes, uh, famously known for, I think, therefore I am. He's the one that is credited with really codifying the mind body, uh, what we call mind body dualism, uh, that they are two separate things. And you got to listen to your body because it's going to, you know, it's, it, if you take good care of it, you know, it'll take good care of you. But it's it's not you. It's a thing you possess. Right. So my so in the language breath, we have to understand that this is a paradigm that's it's it's served us better than the previous paradigms, but it is a flawed paradigm. And we know it is, and we've been hinting at it for a long time because all we've, you know, if you look at the last couple of decades, we're like, hey man, mind and body, man, mind and body, you got to bring them together. You got to bring them together. And we've, we've intuitively known this, but it's so difficult. We've got language that it reinforces the separation. We've got uh, thousands of years of separation, believing these two things to be separate. Well, uh, uh, the new paradigm I'd like to invite a person just to consider. You don't have to believe me. You you can just just consider it, right? Is that you are one whole organism, and that the mind and the body is all part of one same thing. You are a you are a singular organism, a whole organism. You are thirty seven point two trillion cells working together as a single thing, and it's all working together to, to, to survive and thrive on planet Earth. What we have happening is that we experience this in two kind of distinctly different ways. We have a conscious experience of it. That's what we normally associate with my mind, right? My problem-solving thinking mind who, you know, is what I'm consciously have access to, right? Um, but the vast majority of who you are and who I am is actually unconscious. So there is a conscious experience, an unconscious experience, and we experience this all together and we feel like it's all the same thing, but there are two different processes that are co-existing uh, at the same time that ultimately make up who you are. And so if we understand ourselves this way, um, as a relationship, between these two parts of ourselves that are both important, both very important, not one more important than the other. That's a that's a a more accurate way of looking at ourselves and a more useful way of looking at ourselves than the operator and machine and really ultimately the slave and slave master, right? We've we've looked at ourselves that way. No wonder we treat each other so badly. Mm. But if we look at ourselves like a relationship, then what we can start to do is say, well, okay, well, how, how do these two aspects of myself work? And then we can start to learn how to interface with these two aspects. And when these two parts of you, you work well together, you experience what we call alignment. We, we start to, to really, we, we live in accordance to our values because they're, every part of us is working together. When they're not working together, this is when we have uh, rumination. This is when we experience the negative effects of anxiety and stress. Um, and we misinterpret we misinterpret and I, you got me on a tear here. So I, I apologize I for going on. No, I'm, but, just, I'm taking it. I'm just like, good. this is okay. This is good. I'm following along. Like I'm, I'm with you. Okay. I'm well, I, you. I, 
I just, uh, you know, uh, well, thank you. But so, so what happens is we've been dealing with this since the, since humans have been humans though, this misunderstanding about what we are has led to a lot of grief and stress and, 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 and suffering. So the unconscious is always speaking to you, uh, to the conscious you and, and the unconscious is, is you, right? So at all times we're taking in about a million pieces. What? No, what is it? A hundred million? No, 11, 11 million pieces of information. Oh, let's see. Um, and 11 million pieces of information at all times we're taking in. And we can only consciously process between 40 and 50 pieces of information at a time. So the rest of that is processed unconsciously. And this is the part of you that a lot of times when we talk about how your brain is a, you know, a, a supercomputer, and it's not just your brain, your, your whole organism has intelligence. Like every cell, there's all these micro intelligences. It's all unconscious. It's fascinating. But what happens is we don't understand how the unconscious is speaking. And so I sometimes compare it to if, if you are in a field and you were to hear a voice and you didn't know that there was a person there and you, you would, that would freak you out. Right. I mean, it would freak me out. I'm hearing things. Right. So when we, when the unconscious is trying to send you a signal, generally it's sending you a signal that is, we need to send you energy to go uh, charge that hill or to run away from danger or to run towards something good too. So it's not always a bad thing. Okay, we're gonna energize now or we're gonna relax, right? Now, the issue arises when we don't know where it's coming from and we're, we're not, we, we don't understand that it, the signal. So for instance, I like to drink coffee in the morning um, and that's a classic drink here in, in, in North America. We love our coffees. And when I drink coffee and I feel energy, I know where it's coming from. So I can actually, I kind of look forward to it. I enjoy it. Oh, I have the energy. But if you didn't know, if suddenly you started feeling a bunch of energy and you had no idea where it was coming from, that might freak you out, right? <laughs> um, and, and so that's kind of what it's like when your unconscious picks up some kind of maybe a threat whether it's physical or social, social threats are just as dangerous to our species as, as physical threats. And it's saying, okay, we need to gear up. We need to activate. We need to energize so that we can either escape or we can charge and fight. Okay. So here you are at the office or at the meeting, right? Or you're about to speak in front of people. This is a classic one. I think most of us okay, I have to speak at the meeting or I'm in a class. You remember getting called on by the teacher and everybody looks at you and suddenly you feel what we call stress or what we call anxiety. What that really is, is it's energy that you, you're not really sure what to do with. You don't know what it means. So it, it frightens you. And, here, and when you're frightened, your unconscious picks that up and it makes you create more energy. So you can feel stress, panic, all these things. Once you start to understand the language of your physiology, the language of your unconscious and, un and, and the conscious, you start to understand the, what it's saying to you, then you can start to learn how to speak back. And we don't do that with words. Uh, if, you know, if, if you've ever tried, just calm down, right? Calm down. I'm just going to say, calm down. 
we can't, it, it's, it's not going to work that way. We have to learn to speak in a way that the unconscious is going to pick it up and interpret it the way that you intend to send it. So that's what I wrote this next book about. I wanted to write another, it wasn't like I even wanted to write the book, to be honest. I um, I kind of swore I'd never write a book again after writing my first one, A Practical Guide to Breathwork. I had a bad experience. I broke two fingers while I was writing, not while writing, but you know, during the time I was writing that first book. Yeah, it was really a, I was really into that book. And I yeah. broke two fingers. I like happen to break two fingers. Getting chalk ready to go to the pen <laughs> paper. <laughs> right. But, but you know, I, I had two broken fingers. I wrote it uh, during like the very beginning of the of the pandemic. My son was home. Everybody was stressed out. It was a crazy time. Thank God for breath work. But it was, you know, I didn't really think I'd ever want to write again. I spoke at a event and then I was approached. Would you like to write? We really liked how you explained this stuff. Would you like to write a book? I thought, okay. Then I fell in love with writing. So I, I've got more probably in the way. But the thing is, what I wished I would have known when I was younger. When I was younger, I had all kinds of social anxiety. And I am a I am a, a extrovert, like an extreme extrovert. I, I am the kind of guy I love I love social uh engagements. I love being around people. Uh, I'm the kind of guy that that's gonna talk to everybody in the room. But I also have always had social anxiety too. So it was really a conflicting thing. And if I would have only known that what was happening is my unconscious, knowing that I'm very excited, that this is something that I, I intuitively love. It's just trying to give you some energy to go to go run and do all these awesome things you want to do. I perceive I didn't know where it was coming from. So I perceived it as something negative, which is what we tend to do. You get this energy you tend to perceive it negatively as if there's something wrong with me or as it's if there's abnormal. Yes. Like it's a symptom of, of a problem, right? Like we look at it at, at, and we do this all too often today. We look at stress as a symptom. We look at anxiety as a symptom. Well, you can't have symptoms unless there's something wrong with you. And so I want people to know there's nothing wrong with you when you feel stress, when you feel anxiety, these are, absolutely normal things. Every human being who's ever been a human being has felt them. We've wrestled with them. You can look through all the ancient text all the way back to Gilgamesh and before. You're going to find this as part of the human condition. But now in the modern age, we have also many more reasons to have these stress you know, responses. Um, and this leads to uh, rumination. You know, our conscious so the, the, our conscious and our unconscious selves, they have different capabilities. Mm -hmm. So there's things you can consciously do that are not possible for your unconscious self. Same the other way. Your unconscious self is really good at picking up sim like, um, it, I speak with my hands. So for those of you listening to the audio, we're on Zoom and I was speaking with my hands and it said that I was raising my hand in Zoom. So uh, <laughs> it happens to me all the time. But if, um, but your unconscious self is capable of processing loads and loads of information almost instantaneously. It, it's incredibly good at that. So it's constantly picking up enormous amounts of information in, from inside of you, from outside of you. It's trying to pick up patterns. It's very good at pattern recognition. It, it will, based on every event that's ever happened to you in your entire life, 
it is a predictive, it, it creates a predictive model. Is this, is this safe? Um, are people generally nice? Are they liars? Are, you know, what is this type of situation generally going to produce? And so we get gut, um, what we would consider like, like gut instincts, um, messages from our heart. Oftentimes we describe it intuition. that way from our un intuition. All of those things are basically an insanely high number. Like there's like computers today, maybe a quantum computer, but it's incredible how much information the unconscious can put together instantaneously. Mm. And once it does that, it will, if it believes that there's something that needs to be kicked up to conscious processing, it will kick it up there, but it's already going to let you know, I have a bad feeling about this, or it's already going to let you know, it'll kind of color the experience for you. We don't really do this for everything. And, and it's only whenever it's like, I need to slow down and really figure this out that we get that urge to consciously think about something. So it'll kick something up. So now you have conscious awareness and you're, you're starting to use that conscious thinking part of yourself. And now, again, we can only process about 40 pieces, maybe 50 pieces of information at once. So we're much slower when we use our conscious self, but the conscious you is capable of close examination, critical thinking, unconscious it will come to split second decisions, really intuitions that may or may not be right. And it doesn't even care if it's right. It's just trying to keep you alive. Mm -hmm. And and so the conscious you is like, I want to be correct. I need to to, to spell check. I need to, uh, you know, make sure that everything filter. is correct. I need to filter it, right? Yeah. And so the conscious you is capable of slowing down. It's not trying to slow down, but it's only it's only going to be so fast. But it's capable of of checking for accuracy. And then it's also capable of thinking in the future and in the past. Your unconscious cannot think of anything but the here and now. So what has always happened for us humans, and this is this should hit home for if if your if your listeners are human, right? <laughs> they, if you're the kind of person who's a human, this may apply to you, right? So <laughs> so what happens is what you'll do is you'll think of something that is that is either going to happen in the future or that's happened in the past it and it's maybe unsettling right so maybe it's a you've got a algebra test the next day or an interview or maybe there's a hurricane coming for your area or something like that or maybe you said something stupid yesterday or you you know mm. you you had a social faux pas or you made a big mistake yesterday doesn't matter when you're thinking about those things that brings it to conscious awareness. The unconscious starts to observe and it says, man, this is terrible. We need to run or we need to fight. And so, and so what the, the thinking yeah. process is going. So it's going from boom to subconscious. Then the conscious story that is so that we are thinking of with that feeling. And then that conscious story impacting our subconscious feels. And so what we have, exactly, what we have is rumination. The unconscious is trying to activate you so that you can do something about whatever is going to happen tomorrow or whatever is happening has already happened yesterday, but it doesn't understand that you, you can't do anything about it right now, right? And, and, it's, and it keeps kicking that up to conscious awareness and it keeps saying, solve this problem, critically think, find the answer, find, and we all can relate to this. This is that 3 a.m. You wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, and it's like, I can't go to sleep now because, right? And consciously, we know we cannot do anything about that right now. The unconscious you 
All it knows is that the conscious you is thinking this thing and it, it has no idea about time. So it's trying to put you in the best psychological, emotional, physiological state to solve that problem now. And another thing about our species is that we are an organism of action. So that's what our species has always done. It solves problems by taking action. So it's generally not the type that is going to sit here and just wait for the problem to be solved. We intuitively know, unconsciously know that action is the, is the way we solve problems. So it's trying to gear you up for action. It sends you emotions. It sends you uh, changes in your autonomic nervous system. So your heart rate goes up, blood sugar goes up, you know, you've got all these changes. And so if you don't know what's happening, this is all very threatening. This is all very disconcerting. This is what we, some, I mean, there was a statistic, I think about two thirds, and this was even before 2020, but two thirds of doctor's visits in the United States had some kind of element of stress or anxiety in that, in the, in what the, the, the patient was reporting. We don't know what's happening to us. So we go to the doctor, we say, Hey, we're, we're having these problems. And I don't feel like anybody is, is explaining this in a way that we can understand. And so I thought, okay, I have to, I have to write this down. So, so that is, I have a, a deeper explanation in the book as far as all, how all this works. But using our breathing, this is where the language of breath comes in, we can start to speak back to this part of ourselves. And when you do that, it's also important to understand the message so that you're speaking back appropriately. I, I was, so I married into a uh, Puerto Rican family. My wife and her family are there from Puerto Rico. So they all speak Spanish. And I can say, where is the bathroom, right? Donde es el baño, right? <laughs> necessity. But I, yeah, the necessity. But, but here's the problem. If it's not within pointing distance, I'm screwed. Because, uh, you know, if they give me directions, I have no idea, you know, because I don't <laughs> actually understand, right? I just know how, so if I, if, as long as they point, I'm okay. It's the same with breath work. So we want to learn what the unconscious is trying to say to us, how to respond back. And then we want to know what the unconscious is saying so that we can have this conversation. And this is something that it's never going to end. The unconscious you has been there longer than the conscious you. As far as our cognitive development is before we're even born, the unconscious processes are going. And so we have to learn, okay, I have to not only learn, this is not a bad guy. I have, there's nothing wrong with me, but also it's always wanting to speak to me. I need to understand what it's saying so that I can reply in a reasonably uh, intelligent way. Sometimes my in-laws forget that I don't speak Spanish because I do the whole, I did the, the white guy smile and nod thing. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then they'll start to speak Spanish to me, forgetting that I don't understand what they're saying. And it's really uncomfortable, um, you know, because I have no idea what they're saying. And I'm trying, I'm doing my best, but until I start to understand the language, I can't really speak back. So it's a matter of when it comes to the language of breath, it's not just breathing techniques. It is learning to decipher what the unconscious is saying so that we can start to learn to speak back to it. Mm. It's like uh, the breath is a tool for translation. It's more, it is a tool for translation, the breath itself. So in the, in the book, of course, like I said, I apologize to all of you guys who, who had to take college English classes. 
um, on behalf of myself and all other English professors. I was not, I was not the, I did teach some literature classes, but my primary focus was uh, research and rhetoric. So research and rhetoric, for those of you guys that are from, uh, familiar with that, you may know, I was, I'm the type of, I focused on trying to learn as much as you can about a subject and then putting it into words that is understandable. Uh, so, so explaining things. And so the best I can, uh, the, one of the things I, I compare the breath to is it's just like how we would communicate. So a breathing technique. So let's suppose it's box breathing. In my book, you're going to find a bunch of techniques that you've seen before and some that you've never seen before, but they're based off of techniques that have existed for thousands of years. Okay. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I invented anything new. It's all either exactly things that have been around for thousands of years, practiced, you know, by ancient yogis and, and people of the past, or there are things that are based off of that. So those, so there are techniques in the book that are somewhat original, but there, there's nothing that's like, you know, I just, one day I just woke up and I, I felt like I, it was this, oh, you know, I'm yeah. not a guru. All right. <laughs> and so the thing is though, we, what I do is I say that a technique is a lot like a sentence or a phrase, mm. right? So let's suppose it's box breathing. I think most people have heard of box breathing. Well, box breathing, you know, you're going to breathe in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. And then you can do variations on that. Now, most of the time we just focus on, okay, we're going to count in for four and hold. And then, you know, da, 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 okay. Now that, that, that would might be the words that you would say, but as you and I, of course, we got, we got to just kind of hang out and, and just cut up a little bit before. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad we did. Um, Me too. But you, we all, I think we all understand, and you might've heard this, you know, that about, well, it's only about 20% when, when we're talking to each other, like the actual meaning that we convey to each other is only 20% the words. It's about 80% is how you say what you say. So like things like tone, inflection, presence, those are the things that really communicate more than even the words, oftentimes what you're trying to get across and it's the same with breath. So we have techniques. And this is why I think a lot of times, like my clients will reach out to me. They've actually practiced breath work before. And they've got all these techniques. They've taken all these courses. And they say, um, you know, it kind of helped at first. Or, man, it was life-changing at first. It's kind of faded. I don't know. You know, It's not doing the thing anymore. And what happens is, first of all, they were in the old paradigm where they weren't listening. They were just telling. That's not a great way to create a relationship. But the other thing is they didn't understand that how you say what you say affects what you say. Are you, are you, uh, are you in a partnership uh, relationship at all? Yep. Uh, Kyle right now. Yeah. Me, me too. I've been married now. For... Fantastic. Awesome. Well, I'm sure at some point, either you or Kendra has said, you know, this is a, I'm married. I've been married. Let's see. 13 years, I think 12. Fortunately, she doesn't keep track very well either. So we're, we're safe. So if she listens to this later, she'll be like, I don't know, it was 12 or somewhere around there. <laughs> but you know, if you're in a relationship long enough, you're going to hear, or you're going to say, Hey, it wasn't what you said. It was how you said it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we do this, we're human beings, even, even the nicest, kindest person will have an off day and we'll say something kind of 
the wrong way, maybe with a little attitude, and and it'll mean something different. So in the language of breath, there's a lot of attention to volume of how much air you're taking in, uh, breath mechanics, how you're breathing, because it's just like, for instance, when you say to Kendra or whenever I say to my wife, Nicole, you know, I love you, right? So, so those words mean something. But if you scream it, I love you, you know, and you're like hitting your chest or something. It's like, it's, they're like, what, you know, maybe they're rethinking this whole partnership, you know, it's like, I don't know what, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So we have to match our tone and inflection and presence with the words that we're saying. And when we do that, then we can actually send a more powerful, an actual message that is really going to be meaning what we mean to send. And then we need to be able to listen. Okay. Did the unconscious hear me? Am I, am I getting any kind of feedback? Right. And it's that, that's how we do it in relationships, right? Whenever I talk to my wife, you know, I, you know, I, we start, we generally start wherever our day was, right? Okay. She's at work. I'm at work. We'll meet. Maybe we're both stressed out. Right. So Mm -hmm. we, we have to start there. We can't start at, okay, good night. Love you. It's time to go. we, We start where we are. And then we we have to listen to each other. Okay, I'm looking at her face, and man, she man, she had a rough day. I had a pretty good day, but I need to meet her where she is. And that's how we we work with relationships. Within each of us is the right. same thing. And so we have to learn to respect that aspect. Man, if part of you, if that unconscious part of you is freaking out, you can't just expect to do like one simple trick, you know, breathing technique. And then it's, that's poof, it's gone. Just like if my wife came home and she got fired or, you know, got in a car accident, I can't just say, Hey, it's all going to be all right. All right. What's for dinner. Let's, uh, let's go have a great night. Let's say, you know, it's, you know, it's the same way we have to learn to look at ourselves as a relationship. And when we do that and we, we can start to build that alignment, man, before you know it, it's not, it's not just that master slave thing that we, we hear about so often. It is a relationship and I can trust myself now because I don't have to white knuckle it. And so, so that is the language of breath. That's why I had to write the book uh, is because I've, I've started to understand what we really are as, as humans, as our organism. And I started to see how it's changed the lives of my, my clients, how it's changed my own life to look at myself in this way and to, and to develop this kind of what I call a breathwork philosophy. Uh, again, it would apply, there's all kinds of techniques that are that are interplaying in this, as far as okay, are we super ventilating? Are we CO2 tolerance? You know, training? Are we doing all of those? Are they all play a part? And how how do they create that relationships? Because I, I want to create a good team because I think that's what causes us to live happily and and to really take the best actions for our own lives. I think that's pretty sweet, dude. Yeah, thanks. There a couple a couple of cool finds that I had that really popped up that I think is cool. That's very much so in alignment with my own philosophies of existence. I don't really Beautiful. have like I don't really put in one specific part, but you're just like yeah. going along. I'm like, oh man, this guy's like in my brain. Yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> listen. Just gonna listen. It's pretty cool. But I think. Uh, I like the I like what you're talking about with the kind of like the relationship. I like to think of it as the collaboration between the conscious and the unconscious. Here it is. And 
I think of the I think of the subconscious or the unconscious as the physical body, and then the conscious as the only variable that separates human beings from each other. So mm. like from the existence or the from the very point, whatever someone's particular uh, philosophical or theological or religious beliefs are of the beginning of time, no matter mm. what is that there has to be a creation in order for things to be in existence. Okay. And so the thing that I recognized, and this is my philosophical pursuit of answering the question of what is the truest truth. So I went oh down boy. a rabbit hole. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love where, uh, what from one bearded man to another, yeah. this is good. This is yeah, good. Exactly. <laughs> so with this idea or this question, the only thing that separates humans is our consciousness from one or another. We're all made up of the same universe material or we're just carbon creations Right. So this is the consciousness that separates us. So it's kind of neat, like what you're saying with uh, how <laughs> if you're if you're a human, there's so many things that all of us have as common denominators that we can all collaborate with. And then it's just our consciousness that comes up with these neat little um, solutions that are something that we've created to extend outwards and um, to go into the part where you were talking about where it's the the marrying of the two. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it like, uh, have you ever heard of the Japanese philosophy of Ikigai? Like, yes. Like, yes. So it would be, it's kind of like that, that Venn diagram where everything overlaps. And when you have mm -hmm. two circles that overlap, that center spot is the vesicus Pisces. And that is the embodiment of the dualities between two extremes of a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when you were mentioning that, I was like, ah, yes, the, the, the vesicus, the, in, in the middle uh... where, so it's like when you get to marry the the one spectrum of the conscious, the ethereal being, to the conscious, the worldly reality, or the I like to refer as the human body as the rental, because <laughs> if we look at the span of the universe where people are theorizing now that it's like twenty three instead of thirteen, however billion or trillion or million years old. Uh -huh. We've experienced more non-existence than existence has existed. Mm. And so our consciousness so, may have been... Oh, go ahead. So what you're saying is is uh, that we experienced non-existence. Yes. More oh. than we've experienced Ooh. existence. Ooh. Okay. And so, because we're just working off of our own timelines more often than not, but if we remove our timelines out of the way, then there's the universe's timeline. And so... Uh, what I found with, because obviously we're talking about breathing, what I yeah. found with the breath mm -hmm. is that, um, what I found with the breath is that it was the, it, it's one of the coolest ways to be able to sync up the consciousness and the physical being so that there is that, um, there's less resistance to that marrying of the two dichotomies or the two dualities. Mm -hmm. And I think that within that breath, it connects us to the larger sum as well as um, significantly improving our subjective universe with the objective universe. I think it syncs that up. That was a little mm -hmm. bit of a rabbit hole thought. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, what if, mm -hmm. what if, I, I think sometimes we look at uh, anything that's physical as especially even especially our own physical form as something other than ourselves 
hence the rental or the or sometimes people call it the, the earth suit uh, or things like that. You know, I, you've not heard that one? Oh, yeah, that one. I, I love the earth suit. I, I tend to, I, you know, I, I think that is something that, um, you know, I, I think some of that originates from the fact that we see the physical side, we actually see a physical death there. We don't see it, um, the an unconscious death. So, so we might say, okay, that person returned back to the universe or went to heaven or had some kind of a spiritual, uh, maybe a rebirth somewhere else. What if, what if uh, every atom, every, you know, every part of you is you, you know, what if it is that, um, that there is, there's no part of you that isn't you. And when we experience, uh, when we experience death, um, you know, that, that's, that's where we want to say, okay, there's something beyond that and and i i tend to believe i would love I, i'm hoping that's the case right so I've, I've never been there but i i would hope that's the case i sometimes i i wonder you know since we can't see something we get to say well that the thing i can't see i i can tell you where that is i i can tell that 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 goes somewhere this thing i i can't i can't you know in some ways and not to you know i can't look at the physical thing and pretend that it goes somewhere else but i on the thing Thing I can't see. I, I can say it goes to heaven. It goes to hell. It goes to wherever. What if it's more complex than that? What if it's different? What if we are, uh, you know, I, I, this is where, you know, this is outside of language of breath here. Okay. So okay. language of breath is, is trying to deal with the, the time that we're alive. Um, but who knows, who knows? I, I tend to think that we we look at our physical form as something other, um, but I don't know if that's really helping us. See, I, and and so I this is something I'm still discerning. I'm still seeking, um, but I I tend to think that um, it it is it's it's more helpful to look at ourselves. We have an incredible amount of intelligence. Like every atom in our in our physical form. It knows where to go. I don't consciously know how to do any of that, right? Uh, but an unconscious part of me does. Every cell knows how to take gl glucose and oxygen and create cellular energy. I don't know how to do any of that consciously, but I know how to do that unconsciously. Like I was born into this world knowing how to create energy out of oxygen. And we. I don't think we take credit for some of those things because we don't consciously choose to do them but i i think i think sometimes i think sometimes i think there is something deeper um i and i think if we start to look at if we look at ourselves as a relationship and this is this is coming back to language of breath but you know this is now just often to just two bros with beards talking um i think if we start to look at ourselves as a relationship because we, we really are a relationship within ourselves. And then we look at, okay, I am a relationship within myself and I'm also in relationship to out, people outside of me. And I'm in relationship with my environment. And we start to see that everything is in relationship to everything else. Um, I think that's a, new, a, a way that we might find, we might find, an answer and I don't have it, 
but I think it is a, a way that we might, it's a useful way to look at what we are so that we can maybe find a way because oftentimes we seem to come to the same basic conclusions, right? We seem to kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of, kind of, kind of, okay. It's, it's, it's the same basic things and, and not to say that those are wrong, but when we look at ourselves as um, a, an owner of a body, as opposed to an entire, you know, organism that, that works within and within itself, I think sometimes we cut ourselves short and this is where we can, um, we can often think there's something wrong with us. And we start to look at ourselves like, uh, you know, I, I, my, I've got a stomach problem. Uh, it's like a muffler on a car, as opposed to uh, the only reason I have a stomach. All the cells in my stomach are being controlled by me, which is in an unconscious way. I'm controlling all of those. I can, I can be, I can interface with that unconscious part of myself through breath, and I can find a way to work within this relationship i don't know it's I, I, this is one of those times whenever maybe we would get the bong and we would go look at the stars and we would have a crazy <laughs> conversation for many many hours um, but yeah I, I love your perspective and i all i was doing is just kind of freestyling there for a minute but i thought um, that was cool man i like what you were saying with the interface of the breath i quite mm -hmm. i quite like that mm -hmm. oh that's nice. freaking gnarly Thanks. dude yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, it's, I, I think what we are is very fascinating. If you look back at how we've understood ourselves over the ages, um, we've understood ourselves in many different ways. So like for the longest time, if you were to ever to get sick, it was because of there was a hex that was put on you. You must've done something wrong. We as a species, we don't believe in luck. Like intuitively, we don't believe in it. And some of us proudly don't believe in luck. Um, but uh, but the it, it's it's you know it's just there is in statistics you know um, it is it is a, a variable. You have to take into account that there are going to be things that are unplanned that might happen, and it may happen for no reason that you had anything to do with, right? Um, and it may happen to you know, a person who we might say totally deserved it, but it might be yeah, a great person. You know, we can't always say, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. We love to say that. We love to believe it. Um, but, uh, and we know unconsciously that we, we have these systems that, that tend to make that seem, we, we try to make the case for ourselves. Hmm. Um, but when it comes down to how we interface with, um, with the world around us and with other people, I think that when we look at ourselves as a relationship and and we ha we have to have compassion for ourselves at that point. and and when we see the human organism as a relationship, like for the longest time, uh, there was a time when actually the longest held scientific theory. So the longest held medical theory as far as what a human being is was the it was the theory of the four humors. So they believe that you're made of, and you might, yeah, you've heard of this. So you're made of phlegm, yellow bile, black bile, and blood. And when these things came out of, you know, out of the balance, 
then illness or mental illness or grouchiness or whatever would arise. And that was 2,500 years where that was, we couldn't see ourselves any other way. That was how it worked. And they developed ways of saying, well, if you have too much blood, that is also, you're, you're hot, you're hot blooded. You, you are a hot person. Um, you're sanguine. Um, and you know, if you have too much black bile, you was, it was, there's certain, it was cold or dry. And that was because we believed that the universe was made out of four elements. And mm. when those elements were in alignment, that's when, that's how everything exists. And, you know, um, there was a lot of utility that was a better system than believing the only reason why you got sick was because you got hexed or because you did something wrong it was like okay there might be symptoms that was when doctors started and physicians started to actually ask okay so what have you been eating where have you been hanging out have you had this kind of activity they would prescribe exercise uh and and change in diet they would also prescribe silly things like roosters or, uh, you know, like uh, in my book, I, I talk about how there's this one guy who went to his doctor one day and he had arthritis and he got prescribed a rooster because it was a dry bird and it was a hot bird. And that would surely balance your humors. You know, here in the United States, humorism lasted all the way to the 1800s. And here in the United States, our first president was eight, uh, was um, George Washington. And he his his official cause of death was a throat infection, but he was bled. So they, the bloodletting was to balance his humors. He was bled 40% of his blood. <laughs> and we're talking like, I mean, obviously that's didn't help him any, right? But that was, you couldn't, a person could not see outside of that perspective. And that was the president's physician. Uh, or I guess at the time it was a former president. The guy was rich. It was a high-end physician. It was not just some schmuck off the street. He was very well learned. And he said, well, you know, this is obviously the best treatment. So it's important for us, I think, to examine our paradigms and to just be open and to understand that the unconscious doesn't want to be open. The unconscious you and me, I, and I'm just as guilty as this as anybody else, wants to say the way that I see the world is, is what I should, I don't want to have any new information. And that is because as far as you unconsciously know, the way you see the world is what has gotten you to stay alive this long. It's what's allowed you to advance this long. It's what's keeping you safe. So and that's so why paradigm shifts are tough. They're tough. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because you have, there are, there are processes in you that you're unconscious that will try to prevent you from believing anything new. And I think this is why it took me so long to come to this. I mean, I remember people talking about my unconscious. I remember people, you know, but sadly enough, I think when we talk about the unconscious processes, it usually devolves into, um, it, it'll devolve into like a free will conversation where do you really have free will and all this? <laughs> and then you start to feel like, well, I don't want my unconscious to tell me what to do. I'm, you know, and we, we don't really identify as the unconscious. We only identify as the conscious because, again, these old paradigms have, have stuck around for so long. So I, I would encourage, and I, and I don't claim to have the answers, um, but based off of this paradigm th that, that I've been able to 
uncover strangely enough it's been around most of our lives but we've you know the old paradigms again we don't nobody really wants to think about ourselves in a new way um it's really opened up a way for me to see my fellow man as a re- i'm in relationship to every other person and it, and it kind of takes it back to this that, that question you asked me now that i think about it at the very beginning you know how we impact each other and we love to you know sadly enough we think about my life is you know i'm on a mission and i've got this thing but everything we do impacts people around us how we behave is observed by other people's unconscious and it will inform them how to behave. And so if you're out there, you are in relationship to every other person. You're even, not even the ones you're talking to, but every other person that's in visible, you know, distance, earshot of you is being impacted by how you're behaving. And we're in relationship to each other within relationship to the environment we're in. And that goes, I think, to the whole universe. We're in relationship to how that works as well. So how far that goes, maybe that'll be my next book. Maybe I'll, I don't know. But I, I think the, the important thing is to be open um, and just to be curious because I, you know, we're all still figuring it out. And, and for the, like I said, for the longest time, can I mean, 2,500 years, we believed that we were four liquids and we wouldn't be able to think outside of that box. It would have been very difficult to come out of that. You know, it would have just been natural, of course. And and we still have these in our language, right? You caught a cold. That comes from the cooling of the humors. If, you're, if your humors were too cold, you caught a cold, right? Um, hmm. If you're sanguine, you're high in blood. Uh, you know, if you're melancholic, uh, that means that you, you're high in, uh, let's see, which one? It was either yellow bile or black bile. I mean, it was... these things don't go away and we're being influenced by ideas and concepts that we don't often even know because we can build off of misconceptions. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't care how good of a builder you are. If you're building on a poor foundation, that building, no matter what it's going to be, it's going to have some structural issues. So it's good to kind of examine. I'm not the kind of person that says, you know, figure it all out yourself, man. Just just try to figure it out. No, it's important to listen to the ancients. It's important to listen to science um, and to try to, I think, discern what uh, sometimes, you, you know, it's like in music uh, that there's three notes that make a chord and mm-hmm. it's the chord you hear. You don't hear the three notes. You got to look for the notes and what is the chord that those three notes are making. Right. I like that analogy. I'm going to, I'm pocketing hey. that one, dude. All right. All right. I'm pocketing that <laughs> one. Cause I, I, for all the folks I have, like their friends, they're like musicians and stuff. Like I always, I always have music references. So it's just super, like super it. simple. So I'm definitely like your style. That one. That's super. Cool, <laughs> I like your style, Kyle. I think, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> the visual that pops up when, when, you, when it's talking about the, the self and then the relationship with everyone else and then the relationship with the world, like so on. I think of those like, uh, you know, those uh, Ukrainian dolls. I believe they're Ukrainian dolls or the Russian dolls where they have the little. Oh, one, right. And then they're within yeah. within the other ones. I kind of view it like that <laughs> kind of a, to make sense for my brain. Sure. So I don't sure. get overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, OK, that kind of makes sense where it's like the little it's like the little characters across the board. 
Well, and I developed a, uh, a little exercise that I, I do every day and I have my clients a lot of times do. It's in the book as well. Um, and it's just, it's it's called the smiling back exercise. And, and it's very simple. All you do, and you don't have to close your eyes, but you can, you can just close your eyes or just think to yourself, just kind of visualize your own smiling face looking back at you. Mm. And say, okay, now that is my unconscious me. And the unconscious me is like, hey, Kyle, hey, conscious Kyle. Hmm. This is the unconscious Kyle. I'm going to make sure all the stuff in the back end of the store is being ca taken care of. I'm going to ensure that we are in the best possible shape to meet the outside world. And when it's time for that critical thinking you're so good at doing, I'm going to kick it up to you. But I'm here. I love you. I care about us. We are a relationship. We are a team. Let's go out there into the world. And then you can think, hey, I'm the unconscious. Hey, I'm, this is unconscious Kyle just saying thank you so much to that unconscious Kyle. Thank you for always being there. For always trying to help me to survive and thrive. And just having gratitude. You know, you can open your eyes and just and just even, you know, just everyday life as you're driving, as you're walking around, just know that you are not having a singular experience. You are having multiple experiences that we experience as a singular experience because of because that's how that's how it works. But everything within you is intelligent. And it is this amazing thing, right? Um and we can describe what is happening. We don't always know why. And this is why, you know, what you said, it may be very per perfectly true. It, you know, if it, if it, if, if, if it's like a lot of things, it's probably incredibly complex and beyond our understanding. But yeah. what is happening right now is that currently we have a conscious and unconscious experience that combine for our human experience and we can interface with it. And we do every breath we take interfaces with that experience as well. Damn. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's a, the right when I closed my eyes, cause I was going along for that journey. Yes. Folks listening. I was like, okay. He said, close his eyes. I'm going for it. Do but it. The moment that I like envisioned my smiling self, I felt yeah. like just like a, not a weight, but it was like, uh, I was enveloped in compassion. Exactly. That's exactly, exactly the way to look at it mm. because all of these things, and we look at them as bad things, anxiety, stress, all these things that is energy that your unconscious is smiling, that smiling, happy, unconscious Kyle or unconscious Jesse is saying, Hey, don't worry, friend. I'll give you a bunch of energy. We can, we'll, we'll be just fine. And then you consciously are like, what is this? Right? How ungrateful are we? Right? So when we have the, that stress response, when we have anxiety, understand that it is a part of you that's trying to help you. And it just, it's doing the best. It's actually doing its job. It's just our job as the conscious thinking part of ourselves to speak back calm if we need to calm down. And we can do that through breath. And it can be as simple as lengthening our exhales, taking actual deep breaths, deep, full breaths, belly, ribs, chest, relaxing out, slow the exhale. There's so many different techniques 
And you mentioned, you know, I'm on the breath source, which I highly recommend. That's a beautiful, wonderful app. Put the um, link down below. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, it's a, it's what I love about the breath source is that it's a collaboration. We're in relationship. These, these breath workers are all different voices and we're all in a good relationship with each other. So we can form a better relationship within ourselves. It requires a good understanding that of what you are, a good understanding that when you experience certain sensations, certain emotions, those are all coming from a place of love. And they're trying to, and that, that unconscious you is trying to put you in the best possible emotional, physical, psychological state to do what it thinks you need to do in that moment. And so when we want to have as well. Yeah, exactly. And it's you. It's it's not someone else. Mm -hmm. The unconscious that's so important to, to really hammer home in ourselves. The unconscious me is me. I am beating my heart right now. It's not my heart beating itself. It's not this other thing besides me that's doing it. I am doing it currently and I'm not having to do it consciously. It, it takes a little while for this to set in, but we are more than just a conscious experience, a singular experience. We have simultaneous experiences and they're all working together to create the life that is you. I mean, you talk about miracles, you talk about things that are mind blowing, things that are cosmic. Why all this happens? I don't know. All I can tell you is this is what is happening and it's something that can bring you incredible suffering if you form a bad relationship within yourself. And that generally comes from a misunderstanding, just like any bad relationship ever that we've ever been in between two people. Or if we have a decent understanding of ourselves, of this, of this relationship that's us, we can have a really good relationship. Mm -hmm. And, and that is what I'd love to offer in my book, in my courses and, and to all my clients. You know, it's really funny because normally I'm much more of a talker. It's, I think it's funny because <laughs> we started recording. I think I actually said I'm a, I like to talk. And there's been a couple, like a handful of episodes where I've been chatting or not even really chatting where it's just like, oh my gosh, like I'm making notes and this sure. happened with one other person before, but I was making notes and I was listening and then I was like, oh shit, no, I'm, I'm on a podcast right now. I have to, I have to like talk i'm not just in a, in a course i'm not just taking notes as if i'm like in a course like learning things i'm like oh shit i think that there's something beautiful in that where it's like that's an indicator of presence and i think what is what that what what i'm understanding from that from what i'm thinking of the body alignment body mind alignment is that what you're speaking is just intuitively correct along with all the information that you got. So you got like the sweet spot where it's, I like to put it in a, I saw this from Rob Dyrdek, but he has his whole world where it's broken up into art, science, and magic. Ooh, so there's the yeah, art of things, yeah. there's the science of things, and there's the magic of things. And all of those put um, together yeah, create like a very fulfilling, joyful, energy, neutral existence. Yeah, 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 yeah. And man, you got her science and magic in spades, dude. And you're just like, <laughs> well, you're just like you, whipping out a wand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to offer to everybody that's listening. I am, I'm, my book is coming out in October. 
And if you're interested in learning more about this sort of thing, that's what the book is about. And I also offer training to breath workers. So I, I do run a breath worker school. So if this is something that, you know, if this is a philosophy that you'd like to really do dive uh, really deeply into, there's no end to how far this will go. And I'm still learning and, and I'm, I'm very fortunate that we've graduated a lot of amazing breath workers who come back and they said, this is something I've found out. This is something I've learned. And we incorporate those things into our trainings as well. But I am going to be doing a free, um, a challenge because of course I'm having a book launch, right? It's coming out in October. So October 24th. So the book is available for pre-order right now from all place, every anywhere a book is sold. You can, you can find it now for pre-order. Um, of course, Amazon and all those places are, are, are pretty easy, but in the Barnes and Noble books, a million, all those. But um, this, this whole concept, this paradigm is such a game changer. Once, once it's really something that you, you can embrace and I'm, I will say it's difficult even for me, right? Because we, our whole culture is in the old paradigm, master slave, uh, you know, crane and, you know, machine body. I mean, we are in that, that paradigm so much. I mean, to, to call your body a machine, we do it all the time, right? Our, our, our brains are computers, our bodies are machines, and we're stuck in those things. And the, the metaphor has become a hindrance as opposed to something to help us learn. So what I what I want to do is with the book launch I'm doing a free challenge and I will send you uh the info for that if you just go to my website it's uh languageofbreathcollective.com or jessiecoomer.com uh you can sign up for the email and you'll get the opt in for the free challenge it's it'll just be 3 days uh and 3 days we'll get together and it, it'll all be ways to start to hear that voice of the unconscious. Once you know, once and, and this is the crazy part, there are undeniable voices that are happening within us at all times that are happening currently at this moment. And once you can start to really become aware of them, then you're like, wow, that's, that's legit. And, and that's when breath work opens up and it becomes something that's, you know, I love my, you know, I thank you so much. You, you mentioned you've done my breathwork sessions and those are fantastic. And, and there's a whole art to that, that I teach my breath workers. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of that. I love what you said, art, science, magic, because that's breathwork. Um, and, and that's us, that's all of this. Right. And so once you start to learn that pair, wow, that paradigm really is different. We have to prove it to ourselves. Experience is what the unconscious is looking for to prove that thing. Once you prove that to yourself, then you're in a place where you can really make some powerful changes to that relationship to make it into a positive relationship. Then you're going, then you're the Jesse Coomer that is, you know, uh, instead of being, uh, you know, uh, misunderstanding the energy that I get when I am going to go be social, I misunderstood it for anxiety. I realize it's excitement. It's easy to see. I don't have to consciously reframe and do all these tricks of, you know, that people do before. I just intuitively know it because I know myself that well and I know my team. So I want to invite everybody to that. That's that's going to be the first, I think the first week in October. And again, just sign up for the newsletter and, and you'll get the the updates on, on that as they come out. 
And uh, you can always find out, of course, jessicoomer.com or you can go to languageofbreathcollective.com for if, if you're interested in you know training to become a language of breath breath worker, or we also do have an online course that we offer as well. So, uh, but yeah, these are, these are things that are available to us. And it's, I, I just am so excited that I got to bring it to your podcast today, Kyle. Dude, I'm excited to, I'm going to partake in the three days for sure. Definitely. I hope you, yeah. Uh, and I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't think I made a note of it. Did you mention mm-hmm. what your new book name is? Yes. Yes. Uh, the new book is called the language of breath. And okay, here it the is. Language to breath. Okay. Yeah, cool. The language of breath. And then the other and one was the practical guide to breath work. My first book is a practical guide to breath work. And it's currently available on Amazon, Audible, and um, and Kindle. And it's it's a fantastic it, what I the way the way I wrote that one, the first half of it is the why. This is what's happening. This is what breath work does. This is kind of the history of how we got it in the West. And then the second half is all techniques. So I wrote it so that the day you pick it up, you can start practicing the techniques as you read the first half. So you can just flip to the second half, start practicing, kind of experimenting. Language of breath is a little bit different. Language of breath, I take you on a step-by-step journey, how to form that relationship with the unconscious, how the language works. There is at the end of every chapter, what I call language labs. Yes, I'm a former English professor. I can't help it. I'm a sucker so, for alliterations. <laughs> yeah, right. So I can't help it. So I, I I have language labs at the end of of every chapter, ways that you can incorporate what you learned in the chapter to develop that relationship with the unconscious. And again, that one is on sale right now for pre-order. And uh, if you do the pre-order, you're guaranteed the um, the pre-order price, and it'll be delivered to you on. October 24th. And that's worldwide. As far as I know, sometimes in uh, overseas, uh, the the delivery date is a little later, but at the earliest you'll get it is if you do a pre-order. Um, but October 24th, on this side of the, the globe, uh, you're pretty sure to get it on time. That's pretty cool. Dude, what a great podcast, man. Like you're a, you're, you're a wealth of wisdom. You are a... <laughs> You're a, you got some great vibes. You have great energy. You got great knowledge, wisdom. You got objective, subjective information that you're drawing from. Yeah, man, you're I think that what you're doing is, is awesome. I think it's helping so many people. It's very much in alignment with, uh, my own kind of intention and purpose and mission of my own existence. So it's like, it's like meeting or it's like having a conversation with the brothers in arms in a way. Where it's like, yes, oh, sweet. we're like expanding the consciousness, the possibility of what could be and shifting paradigms in a variety of different manners. But it's yeah. with the same intention of compassion over judgment of mm. um, activity over sedentary. It's, yes. It's purpose and passion over um, pain and suffering. Absolutely. And I think I think it's good vibes, man. I think that Absolutely. you're bringing some. I I think you're bringing some mad bearded energy to uh, the <laughs> world and you're doing some good shit, dude. I'm very Thank excited. You. I'm very excited to read both of your books. I didn't read the first one. I'm definitely going to read the second one. Definitely going to take part in the part in the three day. Yeah. That's going to be sweet. Um, yeah, that'll be really cool. I'm very, I'm very curious to learn a new language. Hey, 
Yes, yes. Join the language uh, class. <laughs> awesome. Well, my man, man, like getting. I feel like I could probably talk for you, talk with you for hours, but obviously there's, you know, there's other things to do in a day, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, I like to always finish up my podcasts with two questions. Sure. <clears throat> and the first one. And you can take a breath in between each one. If you mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> see what gets, see what the subconscious <laughs> pulls towards you. So mm. for setting, for setting the context uh, or this particular situation, you are at the end of your days, your books don't exist, nothing exists. And you're surrounded by the people that you care for. What piece of advice do you want to pass on? Mm -hmm. And this is the only piece that exists. Yeah. If, if, well, I would say this is this is what's really important anyway, and uh, I'm so glad. And I would say to cherish cherish exactly this this thing this the 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 people that we love cherish that because everything else literally will fade away, and all we'll eventually have is those relationships if we're lucky if we treat those relationships right. So uh, I love I love that imagery. Nice, that's really good. Now, one of my favorite ones is the best version of you that yeah. you envision. Maybe the deeper subconscious version that's whispering in your ears. Come on, Jesse, you can do this. <laughs> but the very best version of you is sitting next to you right now. What piece of advice does he give you for this season of your life? Mm, 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 man. <sighs> I would say... I, I would think, I would think that um, at my best, I would give me the advice to, to, to trust in the actions and not to second guess. I think that is, that has always been something that at my worst, I will second guess and I will sabotage as a result. And at my best, I'm at full alignment with my conscious and my unconscious, and we're moving together as a team. And I don't have to even think about it because I know my action is what I genuinely want, both consciously and unconsciously. So I would say move forward, stop second guessing, just move forward with confidence. Nice, my dude. That is awesome. Well, folks... And Jesse, my friend, that is what I got for you in today's episode. Where can people find you, Jesse? You can check me out at Jesse Coomer. That's J-E-S-S-E-C-O-O-M-E-R.com or languageofbreathcollective.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Jesse Coomer Breath. And um, those are the primary places I also have a YouTube channel. If you just Google Jesse Coomer breath, you will find me and uh, I'll be all over the place from there. Of course, my books are coming out anywhere that fine books are sold. So hope to see you at any of those places. And if you'd like to get involved in the, the uh, free three-day challenge, uh, just sign up for my, my email uh, list. Just go to the website and you can sign up for that email list and you'll be notified when we start. Nice. That is awesome, my dude. So if you love today's 
episode, please do me a favor right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories, and tag me with my handle at DapperDudeKyle, along with Jesse Coomer Breath. That is one of the ways that we grow. And until next time, keep up the kindness, and I hope that your day treats you as good as you look. <laughs>